Hi, welcome to Summit Church. We are one church in multiple locations in Central Florida. We believe that your story, told truthfully, is good news to those who are near to God and those who are far from God. And no matter where you find yourself, you are welcome here. Join us in listening to this week's sermon. Hey, what's up, Summit? Michael here. So glad to be with you today as we're walking into the new year, 2024. Can't wait to celebrate it all with you. If this is your first time or first time in a long time joining us, I want to say a special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you more. If you'll just scan that QR code that's on your screen there, one of our staff would love to connect with you and tell you more about why Summit Church is the place to be. Now, before we jump in, I just have a quick question for you. Uh, And I would love for you to be honest. How many of you, if you're being really, really truthful, you would say, you know what? I'm a bit relieved and glad that this year is done and gone. Like how many of you would raise your hand and say, that's me? Well, I imagine that for many of you, it, it may have been a tough year. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside of you and pray with you and for this new year. Like if you have any prayer needs, we would love for you to tell us. You can just go to our website and submit a prayer request and our staff and prayer team will be praying with you in this new year. Now today we're gonna be in the Old Testament book called Isaiah chapter 43. Now, if you're not familiar with this book, Isaiah was a messenger from God sent to warn God's people about destruction that was headed their way if they didn't do a complete 180 of their rebellion against God. Now, at the same time, in the midst of all this terrible news, Isaiah would also offer a message of hope. Now, if you've read the whole 43rd chapter, you would see that he kind of went through these lists of very beautiful and powerful promises. Here's what he says. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You see, God may speak very directly to you that he wants to do a new thing in this new year. Now, some of you may be facing something where you, you, you go, you know, I don't know how in the world we're ever going to make it through this. I mean, it's bad and it's hard and I just don't see a way. And God may be saying to you, no, 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 no. I see a way where no one else sees a way. And I'm going to do a new thing in your life if you will listen and if you can see it. Question, how many of you have New Year's resolutions? Like how many of you are going to make some New Year's resolutions for this year? Well, I got some bad news for you. By the end of January, 40% of you will fail at it. You're not going to last. Many of you are gonna get new gym memberships for Christmas or some new diet plan or you're decided to give up certain things. The reality is, is that by Valentine's Day, research shows that 75% of us will not even be keeping up with our New Year's resolutions. Why is that? Well, I'm not sure, but I believe that a lot of us have what we might call some good intentions, but they're not really, you know, God intentions. And there's a really big difference between the two. Many of us have some good intentions, some things we want to accomplish, but I want to challenge you this year to go beyond just having some good intentions, something that you want to do, but instead have some God intentions to listen to the spirit of God. And I believe he will speak directly to you and show you the one thing that God wants for you and from you. And and he wants to do in your life in this new year. So today, I'm going to ask you four one thing questions. And my prayer is that God will birth in you one God-centered thing that you will do differently this year. Here's the first question. 
in your prayer time, as you are seeking God this year, what's one thing you desire from God? Like above all else, if God were to say to you, I will do one thing that you ask, what would be the driving force of your prayer life before God this year? You know, one of the Old Testament characters that is well known is King David. He was described as a man after God's own heart. And perhaps the reason he was a man after God's own heart was because he desired one thing. Listen to what David says. He says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfection and meditating in his temple. Man, if I could just have one thing, David says, I want to be with God. I want to be in his presence. I need his goodness. I need to know that he is always with me. If there is one thing that I need in good times, it's God. If there's one thing I need in bad times, it's God. If there is one thing I desire above all else, it is to dwell, is to live in the presence of God. What's the one thing you desire from God? Many of you may be at a place in your life where you say, you know what? There is someone close to me who's not a follower of Jesus. And if there's one thing that I would want God to do, it would be for God to use me in this person's life to inspire them to find and follow Jesus. So the driving force of your prayers this year would be God, love this person into a relationship with you. For some of you, quite honestly, there may be an addiction or a stronghold, one thing that is keeping you from going further with God. You can say, well, this isn't just my New Year's resolution. This is a God burden, and I will no longer let this one thing keep me from fully pursuing God. And if there is one thing, God, I believe with all my heart that your Holy Spirit is going to give me the power to overcome this one thing that is in the way. Some of you are going to look at your marriage and you'd say, you know what? If it's not where God wants it to be, the one thing you desire from God would be that he would bring healing into your marriage. Now, here's the thing though. You're gonna be tempted to desire that that one thing be that God would fix that person. But the way God might bring healing to your marriage is by changing your heart so that he can heal your marriage. Some of you may not even be married. All your friends are getting married and you're like, man, I love them, but I also hate them. You know, maybe they married that guy or that girl you wanted. And so you hate them. They're like your best friend, but you hate them. Or let me say it better. You strongly and secretly dislike them. You really desire somebody. And, and for you, that one thing may be, God, I need you to be enough. I need to be satisfied with you this year. What is one thing do you need from God? What is one thing that you desire from God? A few years ago, I felt I was at a crossroad in my life as far as my time in ministry was concerned. Like I'd always had this sense that God wanted me to step in to lead a church someday, but it seemed like every opportunity that presented itself was a no. And it felt like it would never be fulfilled. I would never get fulfilled for the purpose for which I believe God had for me. I remember asking God at the end of 21 and, and beginning of 22, God, I know you've placed this burden and this purpose in my heart and mind. So I'm gonna trust that you will bring this about in your perfect timing. But God, if you don't, and I won't lie, I'll be heartbroken, I'll be sad, but I'm still gonna trust you because I know that at the end of the day, your plan for my life will be far better than anything I could have dreamt up. Now, I'd love to tell you that immediately after that, God gave me the yes I was looking for, but unfortunately, he did not. In fact, I got another no that year that was even more devastating than the previous one. 
At one point, I remember even telling God that I was done pursuing it because it was becoming too painful. You know, it'd be a whole year after that prayer that asked that God would provide the yes I was looking for. And can I tell you, it was a far better yes than I could have ever asked for. What's one thing you need from God? The second question I want you to ask yourself is this. When it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to your relationship with God, what's one thing do you lack? What's one thing that's missing from your life with God? In the second half of the Bible, we find a book written by a guy named Mark. Now, he wasn't an original disciple of Jesus, but he had this very close relationship with a guy named Peter who was original disciple. So Mark takes all of Peter's eyewitnesses account and puts them together in the second gospel of the New Testament. In chapter 10 of his writing, there's this interesting story of a rich guy who encountered Jesus. He says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you need to obey the commands. And the guy's like, yep, check, 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 check. I've done all that, Jesus. And so Jesus looks through his outward obedience and looks into his heart. And he saw a problem that this guy didn't even know he had. So here's what Mark writes. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now, notice he's about to say something very difficult, but it was all in love. He said one thing, not two things, not 10 things, but one thing you haven't done, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and your tre- you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Like if there's one thing that is standing in the way of you completely following Jesus, and for this guy, it was the material possessions and the desire for security from wealth. Now, after hearing this, listen what happens next. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Now check this out. God specifically showed him the one thing that he hadn't done. And he was unwilling to do the one thing that would have benefited him spiritually. May I say that there are many of us who over a period of years, God has shown us one thing that we need, one thing that we haven't done, yet we have not been obedient. You know, doing a new thing, it's a new year. And I believe with all my heart, you will be obedient to the one thing that God shows you that you lack. What is it? Many of you have been a part of the house or as we call the church for a long time, but you haven't connected in any Christ-centered relationships where other people are praying for you and holding you accountable. And you're going, oh, you know, we're going to get to that one day. No, perhaps this is the one thing you need to jumpstart your relationship with God. Many of you have been wrestling with the whole tithe thing. You know, I will give God my first and my best and trust him to bless the rest of my financial resources. Like you fought it and you fought it and you fought it. And perhaps that's the one thing. That's the one point where God is saying, do you really believe it or do you not? Are you going to trust me or not? You see, when it comes to your relationship with God, let me ask you this. What's one thing do you lack? And and what's one thing do you lack to move forward with God? What do you desire from God? If he were to give you one thing, what would you ask him? 
Then the second question is, what is one thing do you lack? Now, here's the third thing I would ask you, and it's this. What one thing do you need to let go? What one thing do you continue that grips, that holds you back from where God wants you to be? What is one thing you need to let go? One of the New Testament characters we talk about a lot about around here is named Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. And in a letter written to Jesus followers in, in the ancient city of Philippi, Paul talked about how he wanted to know Christ, not just know about him, but to know him and the power of suffering like him. Here's what Paul writes. It says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So Paul says the one thing he's going to do, and, and you could almost see this as like one action. He's forgetting what is behind and he's straining on toward what is ahead. And he is pressing on. It's like a one decision, fluid action that he must move forward. Now, we don't know what he was letting go of, but we can speculate like if you were to look at Paul's life, it's a two-sided coin. There were the things that Paul did that were bad and there were the things that were done to him that were bad. And he was the guy who personally said to stone Stephen, the first person to die for following Jesus in the Bible. Maybe he was letting go of that. He was the guy who made life hard for those who were following Jesus. It could have been the pain that he experienced suffering for Christ. Think about this, five times was he whipped each time with 40 lashes across his back. Maybe he said, you know what? I've got to let that go. Here's a guy that was beaten three times with a rod. He was a guy who was shipwrecked three times. He was a guy who was stoned. I'm talking about literal massive rocks being thrown at him over and over again. He was stoned and left for dead. Perhaps he was saying, I have got to let go of that to move forward. I'll give you a picture of today. Some, some time ago, we took our kids to a fun trampling house. It's, it's the kind of place where you can, you know, jump for hours. And at this place was this rope course that was suspended above everything, high up. Our three kids wanted to see if they could complete it. And so our son decided to do the easiest part of it. Our oldest daughter wanted to do the most, the toughest part of it. And our middle daughter, who likes to follow in the footsteps of her older sister, also decided to do the hardest one. At one point, our middle child comes to a point in the course where there isn't much to hold on to, and she's going to have to trust the harness that she's wearing to walk across this very thin rope to get to the other side. But she's terrified and, and paralyzed in that moment to fear. Now, I'm standing way, way, way below her, and I just kind of scream out to her, baby, it's going to be okay. That harness is there to keep you from falling. You're going to have to focus your eyes on the other side and just go. You can't stay there. I promise you, you're going to be okay. And I'll be on the other side waiting for you. Finally, she grabbed onto the harness and just started walking. She didn't look down. She just kept her eyes focused on the other side. And before she knew it, she had made it. For some of us, the reason we're not moving forward to where God wants us to be is because we're holding on to something from the past and it's time to let go. Someone hurts you and you're holding on to it and you've got all this unforgiveness and all this bitterness and God would just say, I want to do something new, but you can't dwell on the past. You've got to forget what is behind and you've got to press on. Some of you 
failed at something. You're holding on to that and you're internalizing it. You're wrongly believing that you are a failure because you messed up, but that's not right. No, that's something that happened. That's not who you are. Can I implore you to let go of that and obey the faith risk that God is calling you to take, not to continue to live in the pain of the past? I was just talking to a person who had compromised their marriage. They said to me, God would never forgive me. He's never going to forgive me. I am a failure to my spouse and to my God. And I said, no, 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 listen, listen, that happened. That's not, that, that was wrong. But guess what you're going to do? You're going to let it go. It's been forgiven by God and you're going to move forward. You're going to let the pain of the past go and you're going to press on. Now it might be difficult. There is work to be done, but God is going to do a new thing. What's that one thing you need to let go of so you can become all that God wants you to become? Here's the fourth question I want to ask you, and I pray that this will speak to many of you. What's one promise do you need to claim? What's one promise from God do you need to claim? Remember remember King David, who we mentioned earlier? Well, before he was King David, he was just David or Dave, right? A young shepherd boy who was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. Now, as the story goes, Samuel's told by God to go to David's home and speak with Jesse, David's father, and see which of his sons would become king. So Samuel goes to the home and one by one, he looks at each of these sons like, man, you're handsome, but you're not him. Oh, you're talented, but you're not him. Oh, you're strong, but you're not him. And he goes down the line. Samuel then asks Jesse if he has any other sons and Jesse tells him about David. Uh, But basically he says he's unimportant because he's out tending the sheep in the field. Look at what happens next. Then Samuel asks, are all of these your sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. Now, we have to ask the question, why does God pass up on the first seven of Jesse's sons? What's his reasoning? Well, right before the moment with David, God tells Samuel why he's passing on these first seven. God says, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by an outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, many of you have had a promise. You believe that God has shown you a vision for your future, and it's not coming about. And you're going, where are you, God? That's exactly what happened to David. As soon as he was anointed to be the next king of Israel, it seemed like every time he'd take one step forward, there would be two steps back. Every time he would have a victory, there would be the future former king Saul coming after him to try and run him down and destroy him. And he'd have to move forward and then backward and forward and backward. The whole time he could have been thinking, you know what? I don't see it, God. I know this is what you said was going to happen, but I just simply don't see it. There was this one particular time where he was running from King Saul who was trying to kill him. And, you know, that's not a good thing. And so he decided to go and hide amongst the ancient Philistine people group, which he thought was a good idea. Well, he gets there and he says, you know what? This actually was a terrible idea. So he had another bad idea, which was to act crazy. He thought, you know, I'll act like a madman. And all of a sudden he got himself caught between a rock and a hard place. And it didn't seem like anything was going the way it should. But finally, 
Finally, David says, as recorded in the book of Psalms, chapter 56, he says this, this I know, God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. You see, the enemies are all coming after David. He doesn't know what to do. It's been three steps back and he's scared to death and he doesn't know what he's suppo- what's supposed to happen next. But there is one thing he knows beyond anything else that God is for him. The one thing he knows, he doesn't know a lot, but he knows this, God is for him. For some of you, God is gonna give you a promise and you're gonna hang on to it and it will sustain you. It will sustain you like food nourishes your body and it will carry you when you are too weak. Now, there are so many promises that we find from God and his word. And I just wanna highlight a few in hopes that, 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 that maybe one of them will capture your heart. What does God promise? Well, God promises in his word to meet every need we have from his glorious riches. If you are hurting financially and you're afraid, God promises you that he will meet every need you have. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll become rich, but it does mean that God will provide exactly what you need. You know, he promises that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. Those of us who continue to go into this repetitive sin, guess what? There's this way out. There's this power through Christ to help us and help us overcome the temptation and the sin that has gripped us. There is a way out. God promises to forgive all of our sins. If you are hurting today and the weight of that past, I did it and I shouldn't have and I feel ashamed, guess what? It's forgiven. God will cast it into the sea of forgetfulness and he will remember it no more. God promises to make everything, even the bad things, especially the bad things. God promises to make everything work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God promises that if you feel alone and abandoned, that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will, you will always be with him. God promises to be your ever present help in trouble. God promises to give strength to the weary. He is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He promises to guide you and give you direction. Many of you, you you don't know what to do next. God will guide you. He is the good shepherd. You are the sheep. The sheep recognizes the voice of the good shepherd and it is the shepherd's role to lead the sheep. He will lead you. You follow and he promises to guide you. He promises to give you a peace that goes beyond your ability to understand. I know many of us are facing significant trials and we don't know how to get through it. Guess what? There is a peace where others will look at you and say, man, how in the world can you be this calm in the middle of this? And you say, you know what? I don't know, but God promised and he's delivering. God promises to give you the power to defeat Satan and overcome the work of the evil one. You resist him and you will flee from him. God promises that nothing will separate you from his love. God promises that you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. For those of you who are not walking with God and you know who you are, God promises you eternal life through his son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you will follow him all the days of your life, if you will say yes to Jesus right now, then this promise is a promise for you. There are some things that I don't know, but this one thing I know is that God is with me. God is with you. And the one thing you can rest assured is that he wants to be with you and he's got you this year.
He's got you. And if you would say right now, Michael, I want God to be with me this year. I want God to be alongside of me on this journey. I want to live a life that God has made for me. Well, can I tell you? It's as simple, it's not easy, but it's as simple as admitting that you need God in your life. Admitting that your life apart from God is not what it should be. Believing, believing that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he rose again. And because of that death and because of that resurrection, choosing to say yes to Jesus today for all of your life. Can I tell you, if you made that choice today, all of heaven rejoices, and so do we. We would love to come alongside of you in this journey of faith towards Jesus. Let us know. Man, Jesus, we're so grateful that you are good and that, God, you've already looked out on this year. You've already mapped out this year for us, Lord. Would you, would you give us the strength and the ability to live out your steps, your wisdom, and your way? Whatever one thing, God, you want us to do this year, would you help us to see that and to be obedient to that? We pray this in Jesus' name and the house said. Thank you for listening with us today. You can also watch our video services on YouTube or at summitconnect.org and check out our show notes to link to our website and follow us on social media. Now go in God's grace and peace. We hope you join us next time.